0: What's up, besties? I'm so, so excited to welcome you to the very first episode of Net Worth and Chill with me, your host, Vivian Tu, aka Your Rich BFF, and your favorite Wall Street girly. So quick refresher, you guys have been asking me for ages for good podcast recommendations, and so I actually went and did some digging, right? And a lot of the top business podcasts I researched were really boring and very much male, pale, stale, and It was not my vibe, so I didn't feel comfortable sharing those recommendations with you when I couldn't even listen through a whole episode by myself. So while yes, I definitely used to make fun of people who started their own podcasts, I have now come full circle and become the butt of my very own joke, and welcome to my podcast. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. Every week, we're going to cover a thought-provoking topic around money, finance, career, life, Question mark And I hope listening in every week makes you a little bit smarter, a little bit more confident, and just a little bit more likely to talk about money more openly with your own friends and the people around you. So half of these episodes will just be me talking at a wall, and the other half will feature some really cool guest talent, but let's get started. This week, I want to talk about rich people. Yes, obviously... We could not start this podcast without talking about rich people and no surprise here, we as a society are super duper obsessed with people who have money and we care about what they're wearing, what they're eating. Like there's totally a reason why shows like Selling Sunset and Bling Empire and Billions and Succession are all such big hits. And this morbid curiosity can very quickly turn into hate and This recently has manifested in a really cool and interesting way. I guess cool is not the word for it. But these days when we see and think about rich people on TV or on the news, this is kind of messed up, but we want them to be going through it. Like, we want them to be suffering. No, seriously, like – think about it. You've got shows like White Lotus, which are obviously amazing. If you haven't watched, you should, but TLDR, it's an entire show of rich people going on vacation and their vacations are either absolutely terrible or something horrible happens to them. It ranges from like infidelity to major arguments to even murder. And it kind of makes us happy to see them not have this picture perfect life that we're led to believe. So the same way that we kind of like to see those tabloid, headlines of cheating scandals or bankruptcy announcements, we are now actually watching entertainment about rich people whose lives are spiraling out of control as well. And it makes us feel good to know that even people with money, well, their lives suck too. So the theme of some of these major TV shows and movies is, you know, essentially eat the rich. But I have three kind of hot takes that I think it's really important to discuss. And I hope that you find these to be thought-provoking.
1: What's the easiest choice you can make?
0: So first off, I think we are mad at the wrong rich people. And you know, obviously I don't know how you guys got to this podcast, but I started my creator career creating short form video content across social media about how to budget, how to save, how to invest. And I share very openly that I became a millionaire at 27. And listen, make sure that you hear me clearly millionaire with an M, not billionaire with a B. And oftentimes when I do share about my personal financial situation, I get a lot of these comments and these comments are like, eat the rich. Like you suck. You're terrible. You're a horrible person. You should be donating 100% of your money to charity. And what I find to be really strange about these comments is that people don't notice the difference between millionaires and billionaires. They, they lump all of these people into one big category, but millionaires are infinitely closer to being homeless than they are to becoming billionaires. And I think there's a creator who's done a really good job of illustrating this. Check him out if you haven't yet. But Humphrey Yang did a example where he counted out a hundred thousand dollars per grain of rice. And he made a little pile for someone who is, you know, lower income, a couple grains for someone who is middle income in the, you know, 50s and they have like a couple hundred thousand dollars. And then, you know, a couple grains of rice for millionaires. And then he put together the billionaire pile. And this pile of rice was literally so deep he was able to stick a keyboard in it. And so what I found to be really interesting is that people don't realize that billionaires have this infinite amount of money that will truly never be able to be utilized, whereas a lot of millionaires are not what you imagine when you close your eyes and you think rich person. And there's obviously a lot of infighting between people who are quote unquote regular income or normal middle class or even lower income versus these millionaires. But when in reality, we should actually be focusing on these billionaires and the fact that many of them own corporations that pay way fewer in taxes on a percentage basis than individual people. You know, when you've got individuals paying taxes in a 22, 24%, percent tax bracket, effectively getting them, you know, a 18 percent tax rate. And then you see corporations are paying what sometimes nothing, but oftentimes 10 to 15 percent. That doesn't feel right. I want to tell you guys a story, uh, and I think it's a perfect example. And the story is about Occupy Wall Street. This was like a phenomenon, this initiative that was happening. I want to say about like five to seven years back. And as you guys know, I started my career on Wall Street and I was a junior trader. I was an analyst on the equities desk at JP Morgan. And I was talking to my manager at the time and he and I were very close. And I asked him, I was like, oh, did Occupy Wall Street, was that like a big thing? Like, were you guys very concerned about that or did that bother you? And he laughed and he said, not really, because he was getting into the office at you know 6 a.m., six 30. And he wasn't leaving until 5, 6 p.m., And, you know, this is a guy who is more senior in his career. And he said that the Occupy Wall Street protesters wouldn't start protesting until 9 a.m. And they'd wrap up around 2. And the only person that was, you know, harassed or hindered or even inconvenienced by the people who were protesting and occupying Wall Street were the analysts that would run out at lunch to grab lunch for their entire team. So, you know, imagine this 22, 23-year-old making $95,000 Dollars a year, which is certainly a lot of money, but they're living in a flex two-bedroom apartment, meaning they're sharing a one-bedroom with another person, and they're going out at lunch to buy lunch for eight people, and they've got to carry lunch back, lunch for eight people, and they're probably running out at two or three p.m. getting Starbucks for everybody, got to carry all those drinks back, and they're the people that are running into these protesters, being yelled at, being told that they're terrible people for the job that they chose. This isn't impacting, you know, the senior guys on the desk. It's not impacting the head of the desk, certainly not. And it's definitely not impacting the people at the top of the food chain, the CEO, the C-suite, the management. No, this is really, really just essentially hurting a 23-year-old trying to pay their rent. And what's crazy is that people think of Wall Street as this horrible, terrible thing where all these rich people work when... Certainly, it is an entity that moves billions of dollars and has corrupt background and, you know, may not necessarily be the most ethical, but... The actual human beings, the people that I worked with, the person I was myself working on Wall Street, young people who are analysts are making, you know, maximum, I would say, 115000 their first year in sales and trading. And, you know, maybe the head of the desk is making a million dollars. But people who are making that amount of money every single year are not your enemy. They make enough to have a single family home in a nice community in New Jersey. They have two kids. They Probably have a stay at home partner, but they're not summering in San Tropez. They don't own a yacht and they sure as shit have to keep working to maintain their lifestyles. They worry about the bills, they worry about groceries, they worry about all the things that quote unquote poor people worry about. And certainly I'm not sitting here trying to make people feel bad for someone who makes half a million dollars a year. They have a life that is very comfortable dependable. They are not worried about where their next meal is coming from. But this isn't the, you know, Jordan Belfort, you close your eyes, you're imagining someone throwing dollar bills off of a yacht that you probably imagine when you think, you know, millionaire. And this is to kind of say that the working rich are not your enemy. And this kind of leads into my second point of we associate being rich with being bad. Obviously, I am a woman of science, so to prove my point, I actually just posted an Instagram story, and I asked the BFFs, what are some of your preconceived notions about rich people? And here were the top results. They're lazy, they're out of touch with reality, they're entitled, they're rude to service people, they're cheap as fuck, they're snobby, they're stuck up, they're arrogant, they're greedy, they're scammers, and they're elitists. Like, damn, y'all really went in. And while there were a few like positive traits mentioned, like hardworking or educated or know how to invest, they were few and far between. Like I would say it was probably a 90 to 10% split of horrible things about rich people and positive things about rich people. And as life gets harder for the middle class, this resentment for those who have a lot, it grows, of course. How can it not when we watch movies like Wolf of Wall Street or the Bernie Madoff documentary, when these very rich guys were in fact bad guys, they were literally stealing from grandmas and pension funds and teachers. And you know, of course we have this perception because of a lot of the stuff that we see in pop culture and in media. And again, don't get me wrong, Generally speaking, I don't disagree with you. I've been to some really nice restaurants when it was abundantly clear that very privileged people were abusing the wait staff. To the point where one time the general manager of the restaurant literally thanked me for being nice. Like, I appreciate that, but I should not be getting brownie points for doing the bare minimum of being a decent person. That's incredibly weird. And I've seen people yell at customer service as if the 18-year-old on the phone is going to be able to help them. And I've seen people say things of the nature of like, do you know who my father is? Like, of course, that is incredibly cringe and it makes us hate rich people. And I think rich people do it to themselves sometimes, but like that isn't creating a positive perception. And obviously I'm making some generalizations here. I think there's certainly a massive population of very nice thoughtful, wealthy people who want to help others, who want to do the right thing. But broadly, I do think there is a divide between rich people who have had to work very hard for their money versus those who have just fallen into it because of rich parents or good fortune. And again, I'm not arguing that it's not important to have rich parents. In fact, having rich parents is the number one indicator that you yourself will actually become rich. But that kind of leads me into my final point, which is that, Being rich often feels like a club that the bouncer won't let you into. And I think this is problematic for a few reasons. So one, it's just not fucking true. A 2019 study published by WealthX actually found that around 68% of those with a net worth of 30 million or more made it themselves. And further, a second study by Fidelity Investments found that 88% of all millionaires are self-made, meaning they did not inherit their wealth. And I think that goes against a lot of what we believe. Because a lot of us, when we think of wealth, we think of old money. We think of people in Nantucket and Martha's Vineyard who summer as a verb – somewhere else. They are able to, you know, make sure that they're comfortable all year round. And we think of people who go to boarding school and people who attend fancy Ivy League colleges. And we think of people who, as we've seen it, have historically portrayed wealth based on how they dress, the car they drive, and what they do with their free time. But a lot of wealth, especially the new generation of people who are making their own money, you can't tell. You can't walk down the street and clock someone and be like, oh, well, that's a really fancy blank white t-shirt. So I think it's important to know that the stats actually show a lot of this newfound wealth and a lot of these newfound rich people are making it themselves. And two, I think it's problematic to feel like being rich is a group or descriptor that you personally won't be let into because it sets an expectation that How it is, is how it's going to be. And that's, again, just not fucking true. Being rich is not inherently bad, nor is it a permanent status. And another really cool stat that I find is that most wealthy families lose their wealth within three generations. And a lot of that is due to misappropriation, mismanagement. If one generation makes the money, generation two doesn't make that much money and lives and spends off of that nest egg and they obviously spend more than that money is able to earn an in interest. By generation three, that money is squandered. So just as quickly as rich families can lose their money, I need you to understand and believe that you can make that money, that you can build generational wealth. Even if your parents or grandparents weren't able to, you can become the first millionaire in your family and you need to maximize your income, invest for the future and make a plan. And I know a lot of this is probably making your head spin. Listen, it's episode one, stick around. We will be covering this in the coming weeks and months. And I just wanna touch upon the fact that, you know, we talk about wanting to break generational curses for generational wealth, but a lot of us, hate to see it in use, right? Like you see a single black mom make it and she makes, you know, the kind of money that her parents and her grandparents could only have dreamed of. And she has a son and she buys him a Mercedes-Benz on his 16th birthday to celebrate him getting his permit and being able to drive. This is very literally a TikTok video I saw on TikTok. And people were roasting this kid in the comments being like, you know, you don't deserve that car. You don't know what a dollar is worth. You don't know X, Y, Z. Like just giving him a hard time for what? For his mom having worked hard and being able to provide that for her son, for the ability to give your children the life that you wanted and didn't get. I think it's really toxic that we as a society think it's okay to desire generational wealth, but then really resent people who have it. Because in theory, we all want to be in that mom situation. We wanna be able to do that for our kid. And I think the opposite, the flip side of that is I get a lot of comments when I say like, hey, like if you want to help your child raise their credit score, if you wanna help your child save for school, people are like, well, my kid has to learn the hard way because I learned the hard way. It's like, why do you want a hard life for your child? You shouldn't, you should want better for them. You should want them to have an easy life. And you should simultaneously also teach them how to be responsible with money, how to manage it properly so that by the third generation, you guys still have that familial wealth, that generational wealth that is going to be able to take care of you and yours. So I think it's really interesting that we basically talk out of both sides of our mouth saying that, you know, it's bad to be rich. All of us want to be rich, but then when someone does hit it, we shit on them. So just a little bit of food for thought. And I want to close out by encouraging my BFFs who are listening to reach financial freedom whatever that may look like for you and you know For some people, that is living in an Airstream and wearing flip-flops and going off the grid. And for some people, that is more traditional. You want to have the two and a half kids, the golden retriever, the tire swing, and the white picket fence home. And you know, I think it's important to also call out that if we encourage more women, more people of color, we encourage the LGBTQ community, more marginalized group, lower income folks to get rich, to have financial stability, to have financial freedom, to be wealthy, what do you think happens? All of those people start patronizing different businesses than is the current status quo. We start eating at the local Chinese restaurant because, you know, immigrants want authentic food. We start to shop at that small up and coming LGBTQ designer store, that boutique. Instead of, you know, shopping at big box stores, we start buying cupcakes from our favorite local baker because she happens to also be in the PTA group and we know her and we like her and those communities start to get more and more money. And let me tell you, nothing bad happens when we give women money, when we give people of color money, when we give the LGBTQ community and lower income groups money, if we teach them what to do with it, because more money means more opportunity. And by teaching financial literacy, which is something that certainly we should be teaching in our public schools and we don't right now, it really allows for upward social mobility, which is something that is the entire basis of the American dream. So, key takeaways, uh, one, I think we're mad at the wrong rich people. We are really really targeting the working rich when in reality we need to be targeting corporations and billionaires who actually have the money to be paying their fair share in taxes and they're not. Two, I think we need to stop associating being rich with being bad. I think we should consider it an opportunity and the reason why we should consider it an opportunity is that we are able to then use this money to uplift our communities and last but not least, being rich is not a exclusive club that we were not invited to. It is something that is very much attainable for us. It is something that we can manifest. It is something that we can work towards and we all really do deserve financial stability. So this is all to say, if you're listening, if you're a BFF, I hope you get rich. And if you stick around, I'll teach you how to do it. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of Net Worth and Chill. If you like this episode, make sure to leave a rating and a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Got a financial question you want answered in the future? You can leave me a voicemail or text me at 908-858-3410. Make sure to follow me at BFF across social media for even more relatable financial content. Special thanks to my team at Audio Boom as well as Range Media and WME. See you next week. Bye.